Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. How is everyone? Good morning. Good to see you. Glad you're back. Some of you showed back up even after last week. Amen. We're glad you're here. Um, uh, we started a series last week called Great Expectations, and uh, we started out with saying that, that God has intentionally put you here on this earth for a specific life he has dreamed up for you, and that in that life it leads you to the preferred future that he has for you. And in the end game, when we all stand before Jesus, that we will all give an account for the life that he dreamt up for us, in comparison to the life that we actually live. So I think it's pretty important for all of us to understand, as we talked about last week with Joshua, that that God purposed him and his people to do a specific thing as they're sitting on the banks of the Jordan River. And when they're sitting there, God gives him a pep talk because he has a lack of confidence in the things of God and his plans. And so therefore, he has a lack of confidence in himself. And what we discovered last week, we've got to stop comparing ourselves. He had to stop comparing himself with Moses. And he had to begin to lean into God's word and his promises and lean into Jesus and all that he had for him and his, and his word. And he began to just obey what God had told him to do. And he launched out in faith and they didn't know how they were going to get across the Jordan River, but God did a miracle. And the first thing that happened was is that they had to step out in faith. We saw that last week and they launched out by faith. And as God had made the big ask of, of Joshua, we watch him follow through with the very thing that God had asked him to do. And God came through and he dammed the river Jordan up 17 miles upstream and the children of Israel crossed over and they began this life of faith and they began to begin to follow God and have great expectations that God would do the very thing that he said he would do because all his promises come true. Amen. Would you say that faith is a pretty important issue? Yes or no? I think it's a very important issue. In fact, it's vital to the way we live our lives as Christ followers, that you're strengthened in your faith, that you grow in your faith. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That he that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So how do you get God's approval? Is it, is it by being more good than bad? Is it by keeping the Ten Commandments? No. Is it by being perfect or I'm going to do better? Absolutely not. If we want to put a smile on God's face, then we've got to reach out by faith and take his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us because we were far from God in our sins. And God himself, because he loved you so much, he had to die for you because your sin and my sin is so heinous that God himself had to die for you. But he was buried and he rose again on the third day to give us a brand new life of faith. Amen. And that is exciting. That is the way 
We get the approval of God. So after I get Jesus, how do I grow in my faith? Well, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is that last week we talked about this, that we fall more in love with this book, that we find joy in it again, that we take it because it's faith food, right? It's the bread. It's the word of God, and it feeds our faith well. Faith is an important issue. And Jesus will say things like, according to your faith, it will be done to you in Matthew 9, 29. Now, you want to be very careful. But in that verse, he's, he's saying this is a, a verse about it's your choice whether you launch out in faith or not. It's your choice every day to get up and choose blessings in your life by faith and choose to have a prayer life in communication with the Father. And how many of those prayers are going to get answered if I have faith? Well, as many as he wants to answer. But by faith, I'm going to believe in greater things. That God has a plan for my life that he has dreamt up. It's a faith choice. God says, if you've got a lot of faith, we're going to get a lot more done in your life and in the world. If you've got a little faith, we'll get a little done in the world and in your life. If you've got no faith, we ain't getting nothing done. And so it's important that you build faith into your life because according to your faith, it'll be done to you. And by the way, faith is the key that unlocks the heart of God. It's so important that you grow and develop and strengthen your faith. Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things that we cannot see. That faith actually lets us expect things from God and step out on substance because God is going to do the best for our lives as Christ followers. I use this phrase in my prayer life all the time. God, I have a great, a confident expectation that you're going to do great things in my life, in the life of our church people. God, you're going to do great things in my kids' life. I have a confident expectation. Now, I know some of you, You're saying, well, that sounds a lot like optimism, a lot like positive thinking. Positive thinking is good, and I want to be around people who are more positive than negative, don't you? I want people feeding into me, pouring into me that are not so much about stinking thinking, but about positive thinking. I want those people around me more than I want negative people. I need a few neurotic people to criticize me, amen? And you? But it is that, man, I know that is not what faith is. If I, I could put you out in the middle of a blizzard in your underwear, and positive thinking is not going to keep you from freezing to death, is it? It's just not. See, positive thoughts can only do what you can do, but faith can do what God can do. What I'm talking about today in expecting the best, I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm not talking about you won't have any problems in life. You're with me on this, right? Because you're going to have problems. It's coming for you. I'm not talking about I hope everything goes as as I planned it. Right? Nothing goes as we usually plan it. What we do know is that we have a confident assurance 
that God is in control of the future, that he has plans what is best for my life through the good and the bad because he loves me. Psalm 32 verse 8 says, I will guide you along the best pathways of your life. I'll advise you and I'll watch over you. See, this is uniquely hardwired by God into your life. The pathway of your life is uniquely specific to you. It's personalized. You're custom designed. Isn't that awesome? You're custom designed by God for a specific dream, a specific plan, a specific purpose that he has for you and all that he has dreamt for you, all that he is wanting you to become. Now, some of you are asking, why should I expect the best from God when I have experienced something different in my life? Why should I expect the best from God when all the heartaches that have happened to me have happened to me? Well, we get this um, answer from a great story that most of you know. It's through David and Goliath. And in the story of David and Goliath, the armies of Israel are fighting the armies of Philistia and the Philistine army is on one side and the Israeli army is on the other. And there's a great big dude who is defying the armies of the living God and God himself and defaming his name. And his name is Goliath. And he's almost nine foot tall and he's the biggest man ever recorded in history. Most of you know the story and it's awesome. But what I know is as he's walking out each day and he's, he's talking smack talk to all the children of Israel's army. He's laying the smack down one-on-one, ten-on-one. Y'all bring it on. The Israeli army is cowering, and they're intimidated. But not this little shepherd boy by the name of David. David says, I'll fight him. I'll fight you right now. I'm not scared. But what we know in David's life was is that he was prepared for it, right? God sends the lion and the bear into his life. Did you know that the lions and the bears are there for your good? Right? They slay giants. They help you slay giants. That's awesome. And what we see of David is that he gives God all the honor and glory. He gives God all the credit. It has to be God. Right? It can't be David, this little shepherd boy against the nine-foot guy. Right? The only way that we can see God getting the glory is it is a little shepherd boy and a nine-foot giant that gets taken out. God Had to do that. It had to be God. So what does this teach us about expecting the best, having faith? Let me tell you something. Number one, it shows us when you have great faith, it honors God. There's something about expecting the best from God that shows us what kind of God you have. Do you have a big God or a little God? Right? I mean, it shows us who you think God is. Even in the face of the giant, you compliment God when you say, God, you got this. You're a big God. First Samuel 17, 46. Today the Lord will conquer you. Who did he say will conquer him? The Lord. Not David, it's the Lord. And I will kill you and I will cut off your head. These are good man dude verses, right? And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. What did David think about God? Well, he's got a big God. He believes in God. Dads and moms, what is it like when you hear your child go, Mom can do anything? 
When they, you hear dad, when you hear someone, one of your kids talking about you, dad, my dad can beat up your dad. Right? It just, just makes me proud. I can't beat him up, but thank you for thinking so. Right? When we expect God's best, there's nothing like really understanding that your God can do anything. He can. How does that make you feel? We have a God that can do anything. And when we expect God to do great things in our lives, it honors Him. It brings Him glory. William Carey, the missionary who changed the world for Jesus Christ's great name. We learned this in college. You remember this quote? Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. That's what faith in our great God does in us. Even in the face of the giant. Number two, it increases my abilities in life. It increases David's ability to do the very thing that God had trained him to do. First Samuel 17, 49. Reaching into his shepherd bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. I love that. I love that about David. He, it made a huge difference in the abilities that God had given him. In addition, it changed his attitude because faith has the power to change your attitude like nothing else i remember when we left here in 2009 and i went to uh, be a lead pastor in kansas uh, my son had played football here in greenville for many years and he learned how to play tackle football under jeff freeman who just walked in the door and uh and and several others and man it was just awesome to watch him he was incredible here and then we left here about seventh grade year and he went to wichita kansas and he picked up with a junior high uh, team there in Wichita, Kansas. In seventh grade, he's like, I don't know how big he was, but man, he was tiny. And when he leaves here, he's so tiny, he gets to the coach and he finds out about three days into practice, the coach is not going to let him play. So I remember him getting in my car about the third day and him crying. I mean, big old crocodile tears. I mean, just straight up weeping. I kid you not. He goes, Daddy's not going to let me play. And I looked at him and I said, son, you keep hitting those kids and you knock them into September. And I'm telling you, that coach will let you play. He came back about three weeks later and I remember him with a big smile on his face. He got into the car because the coach had told him a story. The coach had told him that a kid walked up to him. He didn't tell him what kid, but he said a kid walked up to him and he said, I hurt my finger in practice today. And he told that kid, he said, kid, you don't hit hard enough to get hurt in practice. Watch Crawford over here. And that day he had learned that he was going to be the middle, starting middle linebacker for the middle school. And it changed his attitude. When he began to, he began to see that God could do amazing things through this little skinny Crawford kid. And he went on, if you would go and look, he went on to receive all kinds of accolades, honors for being a great football player. But you, if you remember the story of David, don't you? That he picks up five stones, and most of you know why he does that, right? He picks up one stone for Goliath. And if God can defeat Goliath, then Goliath has four other brothers. I need to get stones for them as well, because I have a big God. And he will give me the strength to overcome by faith. The additional fears dealing with them 
in my life. Number three, when you have faith, it encourages others. The Bible tells us that when Goliath was defeated, that the Israelites gave chase. And there was a great shout of triumph. And they rushed after the Philistine and they chased them as far as Gath. And the entire nation was victorious. An entire nation was energized by the faith of this one little shepherd boy. That's the power of faith, isn't it? Everyone gets excited. Everyone gets energized. Faith has the power to make you an incredible optimist. George Gallup did a poll and he found out what does it look like when people have faith? What kind of attitudes do they tend to have? And he found out that people of faith tend to be happier and they're the people with great faith. They tend to serve more, help more people. Don't you like being around optimistic people? Yes or no? Man, I do. Faith has the power to make us more of an optimist. Faith has the power to encourage the people that are in your life. It, has the, it gives you the strength to face the difficulties and face life. And it honors God in ways that you cannot imagine. Now, some of you, again, how can I expect God's best? How can I do this when I am facing such a Goliath in my life? Some of you are facing financial Goliath. Some of you are facing a health Goliath or a relationship Goliath. You're facing some big issues in your life right now. You're thinking, how can I expect the best when things have been, have been going so very wrong? I don't know what's going on in you or for you. But I do know we have a big God. And if you believe that you have a big God, I put faith in God like David puts faith in God. And he shows us three things in these particular passages that we're going to look at this morning. He wrote the book of Psalms. David, for the most part, did it. And then that, we see him, we see him saying things that are of his innermost feelings. So we're going to look at three things right quick. Ready? If you're going to expect great things from God, God's best, number one, you got to sit next to God. Sit by God every day, every morning. It'll make you more positive. It'll make you, help you have faith. It'll make you understand David's secret that he did every morning. In Psalm 5.3, it says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and you wait, and I wait in expectation. So where does David get his spirit of expectation, church? By sitting next to God every single day. He spends time sitting next to him, walking with him. He starts his day with God before he talks to anybody else. Who does he talk to? He talks with God. Now, maybe, just maybe, before you talk to anybody else during the day, Maybe you need to go vertical with your conversation before you go horizontal. I think this is the tune that God is trying to show some of you. Now, some of you were born naturally pessimistic. Can I get an amen? You know who you are. For you, the cup is always half empty, not half full. You identify with the great theologian, Eeyore the donkey. He stood beside the stream and he looked at himself in the water. Pathetic, he said. That's what it is, pathetic. He turned and slowly walked down the stream 20 yards. He crossed over the stream, 
looked back into the stream and said, as I thought, no better from this side, but nobody minds, nobody cares, pathetic, that's what it is. There's a cracking in the thicket behind him, and who pops out but Winnie the Pooh? Good morning, Eeyore! Y'all hate that guy, right? Said Winnie the Pooh. Good morning, Pooh Bear, said Eeyore glumly. If it is a good morning, he said, which I doubt, he said. Do you ever feel that way in the morning? How many of you are grouches when you get up in the morning? Lots of liars in church this morning, not raising your hand. No, I, how many, if you're, how many of you just said, let her sleep, right? When we first got married, I called my wife the great white shark because she would eat me alive. Because I'm, I'm a morning person. It's so good to see you. Good morning. I'm playing with the kids that run through the house screaming at six in the morning, right? And my wife is like, stop it. But now today she's a little piranha and I'm so proud of her. See, there's only two kinds of people in life. You usually get stuck with the person who's opposite of you. Good Lord, it's morning. Good morning, Lord, right? Yeah, that's how it goes. God has a great sense of humor. And for those of you that feel a little cynical or sluggish in the morning or critical in the morning, negative in the morning, you're not exactly expecting God's best in the morning. You're not feeling great expectations or faith at all in the morning. I want to give you just a few hints, some things that I've learned that are kind of no-brainers. But number one is rest well. Yes, just practical things. They're right there in your notes. Rest well. Having a, uh, having a good night's sleep is good for those of you that can actually sleep. Can I get an amen? Right? So, so having, sleeping well, getting rest well, it really is connected, directly connected to your spiritual and emotional. You know this, right? I don't think I need to go through this. Go to bed, get some good rest, and then get up in the morning and turn off Bad Morning America. Fox News. Nobody? CNN. Turn it off. You know that it's going to be negative news. More people died. More people were raped. More, pe- more people's houses burned down. Now you feel bummed out about the message, right? Just from hearing that. I'm just telling you, We need to turn off the negative news and begin to put some good news in us early and often. Because if it's on the news, if it bleeds, it leads in the news. And it's all going to make you cranky. That's why you're so cranky. You've been listening to, you've been listening to talk radio all morning and they've been arguing all morning. They can't be helpful. Thirdly, Start your day with some worship, right? Start your day with some worship. We, we don't care what you listen to so much around here on the radio, right? I mean, I've got hard metal and I've got crooners, as I told you last week, and I've got Hillsong United. But to start out early in the morning and worship, to get some Jesus in you from his holy text, to stand or kneel and walk or whatever, and you get some time alone with God as our Jesus did. A study has shown that your mood for each day is usually determined by your first 10 minutes of that day. And we can become a little more intentional about expecting the best, having a better attitude, having some faith in our lives when we live in the moment and we worship God, the living God, like this. This is the day that the Lord will made. 
has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We even know the song. Some of you were, you were singing the tune in your head. See, listen, you'll actually feel better if you'll start out with some worship. I do it every day, not because I have a big S on my chest, spiritual man. It's because I need him. I'm a mess. How many of you are a hot mess? Right? I, we need him. And so you'll actually feel better, Debbie Downer, negative Nelly. Right? Secondly, is trust in God's love when things look bad. Trust in God's love when things look bad. When the circumstances are bad or bleak or depressing, this is David's secret to faith. And where he found his confidence, the Bible tells us in Psalm 42, David said, oh my soul, don't be discouraged, don't be upset, expect God to act, for I know I shall again have plenty of reason to praise him for all he will do. Did you ever think that maybe what you're trying to control with your spouse and your finances and your kids right now, that maybe God is using those circumstances to make you be, help you be the man or the woman he has dreamt, purposed for you to be? I, I could see David just sitting down and he's writing this as a little boy or as a shepherd boy and he's tending the sheep and, and he's like, bro, I've been, I've been writing worship songs for you, God, and here's his question, and yours, why would you allow the bear to come into my life? If you loved me, why would you allow the lion in? And through all of David's critter problems and yours, what he understood is that God used them for his good and his glory and the good of others. The bears and the lions are there for you to slay giants later. That's why they're there. Expect God to do great things because he has done things in the past and he will do them again. See, rarely if ever does God give you an explanation of why he's doing what he's doing. And by the way, he's God and you're not, so he doesn't owe you an explanation. And by the way, he may not give you an explanation until heaven, till the next so what do I do if I'm getting no explanation? Trust in the love of God when it makes no sense. What do you do? You trust in the love of God. I know God loves me. I know God is in control. You, God, are in control of all things that I see in my life going on right now. I can't change it. I know you want what's best for me. So I don't have an explanation. But it's obvious that you know this is the best path for me. So I don't need an explanation. I'm trusting in the fact that God is in control. God is good. And God loves me and he wants what's best for me. So, okay, God, I am going to trust you. That's a deep, deep level of faith that most of us don't walk in. Hebrews 12.10 says, While we were children, our parents did what was best, seemed best to us. But God is doing that what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. Listen. If you want to handle the dark seasons, the giants in your life, you've got to stop seeing everything through your lens and start seeing it through the lens of God. See, from the Israel, Israeli army's viewpoint, Goliath was this big. Through David's viewpoint, Goliath was this big. Right? It's a difference in perspective. 
In David's viewpoint, that's a dude defying the armies of the living God. He's defaming God's great name. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring glory to God and go to battle. I'm going to fight him. And lastly, I want you to believe better of other people. Now, this is a, a section that I am, uh, I'm not very proficient in. But I know this, that God wants me to think better of other people because God has placed people in my life that I should love. It has been my experience that people can be not nice. Anybody else? They are prone to drama. They're prone to the negative. They're prone to the cynical. They can be mean-spirited, domineering, pessimistic. Anything else? Right. Those people are not going to help you if you hang out with them all the time. We know this and lead you into faith. They're going to lead you towards fear. I think it's easy to be mean to a person like me. I do. Now, you don't know it, but our secretary has named all the staff as we're a family. Now, Paul is the father. Stephen Johnson is her sister. Not kidding. Tim, our college director, is her big brother. Jared is her little brother. I don't know what Kim is, but I'm going to go with mom too. You know what I am? Anybody want to take a guess what I am in the family? I'm the dog. (laughs) The puppy, yes. I'm the puppy. I'm the Labrador retriever. I just love you. Come here. Let's just hug. I just love you so much. What's going on with you? How can I encourage you? You're awesome. Oh, you want to be mean to me? Okay, let me bare my teeth a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I'm the mean guy? No, it's easy to be mean to a guy like me. It is. But regardless, I want to go out being less known for my opinions and more remembered for my love. Amen? I want to be more kind regardless of the way treat, people have treated me. I want, to be, I want to be more loving. I want to be more kind, tender, vulnerable, open, honest, authentic, and forgiving. That's my response to your not niceness. It needs to become more of a response for most of us. I want to be less known for my opinions, more known for my love. Loving each other is what we were meant to be as Christ followers. It's how we roll. Jesus said you'll know them by their love one for another. The sad fact is many of us have lost our way trying to help people find their way. In this political climate, all the crud and all the cultural things that we see, how does that make you feel? I want to hurt somebody sometimes, right? Here's the deal. What we know is arguments won't change people. Debate never changes anybody. Almost anybody. Simply giving kindness doesn't just change anybody either. Only Jesus has the power to change people. And our problem is, Their view of Jesus is blocked by your big opinion on Facebook. Stop putting that junk on them. You're blocking their view. You're giving Jesus a black eye. You're being a jerk for Jesus. I'm 
telling you, be more, be more like Jesus, more loving, more kind, more faith-filled, because either you get bitter or you get better. David tended to hang out with positive people. Psalms 119 says in verse 63, I am a friend, I am a friend to anyone who fears you, and I'm committed to those who obey your commands. We need to associate with, we need to attach ourselves to people who are positive. People who are positive in their faith. Who do you hang out with? Does your faith get support? Do they lead you to become more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Who do you hang out with? Because if they're cynical and sarcastic and critical negative people, that's just as contagious as faith and it infects you and affects everyone around you that you love. I'm telling you, if you want to build great faith into your life, great expectations, then you need to find some people who will pour additional faith into your life, who will help you grow because the crowd will bring you down. The Bible says that company corrupts good character, does it not? And it really does mess with your attitude. It's like the old cliche when I was a kid, right? You can either soar with eagles or run with turkeys. David will say it this way in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the seat of the scornful or sit in, or stand in the seat of the scornful or sit in the seat of the wicked or scoffers. He didn't want to hang out with cynical, negative people because he didn't appreciate their faithlessness and he didn't want it, it to affect him on a regular basis. Everybody knows that there are red light people that are toxic that we shouldn't allow access and intimacy in our life. Everybody's got those people. But before you label those people that, there's also a yellow light. And some of those people get access. And some of those people get to come into our life. And we teach them. And we love them. And we, 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 we help them through life. And then there's green light people. Very inspirational people. People who don't drain us. The people who, who, who charge our battery. Who build us up who encourage us. There's no way for you to be the person of faith that you were meant to be if you're hanging out with negative people who are leading you away from Jesus instead of bringing you closer to him. The most logical place to do this, as we saw with Jesus, was him hanging out with his boys, right? His disciples. Now, they weren't very positive at the front end, right? We know that they were kind of lost in all of it. But here's what I love. As he began to build into them, they eventually became a people of faith that were so overwhelmed by the encouragement and kindness of God that they were an unstoppable force for good and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't we want that for our lives? We are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Look around you. These people are are disciples of Jesus Christ. And they're here to encourage you and build you up. And, and if they're not doing that, then that's... Look, if your circle is not in it to win it, to see you win, you need to find a different circle. You need to find a different community. Because this church loves you. Our people care about you. We want to see you grow in your faith. We want to see Jesus do a faith-building thing in you because he has a life dreamt up for you. 
Well, you live it by faith because you have a big God. Everybody bow your head, close your eyes. No one's looking around for just a second. The Bible will say in Hebrews chapter, um, Hebrews, let us not discontinue meeting together as some do. But let us encourage one another, especially now that we see the day of its return drawing near. Listen, we need each other. We need to sit down beside God daily. We need to go vertical before we go horizontal. And God will build in a faith in us and do in us abundantly more than we can think or ask according to his power that works in us when we have a group of people that we go to war with, that we see face the giants with us and want to see us win by faith. Are you walking that direction? Father, we know that each and every person here represented that God, they, that you have a plan for their lives. You have intentionally put them here for a reason. And we ask God that as you've dreamt up a life for them, that they will live in that life of faith. That they'll sit down with you daily. That they'll believe and trust in you even when they face the giants because your love is good for us. God, may we be the people that have a group, a circle of people that we stand with even in the face of adversity. We love you. We thank you for these great, great secrets of David. We ask that you would help us to live them. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said...